I'm ready for the regular season to be over. I've been ready for the regular season to be over since I squashed the last little glimmer of hope that I had for the Mets to make the playoffs, and that was like June. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I've this season has been. There's been a lot of like talk and like questioning lately about like whether this was actually a good season or not. Which, first of all, like what? Who even asks that question of like whether this effectively this, wild listeners apparently? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually like a thing that's like going around, and I'm like, why would you quantify a season like that? I feel it's like there are like, so many individual like pieces of joy that like you can't. Also, it's not it's not the same for any two fans of different teams. Yeah, right. But there is no. On, like, yeah, it depends on like how you take in baseball and like what you're watching for, right? Or even how much you're watching, or like yeah, what you yeah. saw and what you missed. I mean, it's pretty irrelevant exercise. But anyway, before we get into it, how are you? How's it going? Are you enjoying your classes this semester so far? We haven't <laughs> talked about this at all. <laughs> yeah, my classes are good. I definitely did not skip any part of my class to record this today, though. So that's nice. Disclaimer, nothing that we say on air can be held against us by our university. Yeah. Or employer. Yeah. I mean, we said it. It's like when you put in your Twitter bio. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I don't agree with retweets or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yo, how dope would it be if Andy Hamilton was like one of our six listeners? That'd be cool. It's like our parents. Andy Hamilton's the president of NYU. Yeah, it's like our parents and Andrew Hamilton. Can you do the Andy Hamilton impression? Nope. Come not, on. Not on air. I'm not going to do it. He's really British. For yeah. those of you that don't know. Oh my god, it's like out of Harry Potter British. But anyway, for real question though, what 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 have you learned in your classes so far that you didn't know coming into the semester? We're just gonna not talk about baseball. <laughs> Let's talk about housing and <laughs> city development. Um, yeah, no. You see, we're really getting a lot out of our classes. Yeah, getting here. a lot. Of, my classes are very theoretical this year. They're very, they're it's very philosophical. You know what I get out of it is like a reevaluation of my life and the world around me. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot, man. Yeah. I'm not getting a ton out of my classes so far yet either. I'm in a, a core class that I'm really not enjoying very much where I just have to read like every classical text ever. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a bunch of freshmen in the class and my recitation is just full of freshmen. And listen, like I was probably like this when I was a freshman too and just not ready for like class discussions really. But everyone is just like, yeah, well, I sort of didn't really agree with the part where he was like, women aren't humans. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, does this even really need to be said? Like, yeah, it's, we don't, can we get into a deeper level of this than, yeah. Yo, you know what I got out of one of my classes? I now know what the actual definition of a standard deviation is. You didn't know that before? I mean, I knew what, in theory, a standard deviation was, but like now I could tell you the formula. Oh, because you're in uh, statistics for the I'm social sciences? So now in fan graphs is like standard deviation. Instead of reading it and being like, oh, okay, so he's like, you know, like, a standard deviation. That's what it is. Now I can be like, it's a standard deviation, and that is calculated by. <laughs> Did you have you never taken a stats class before? Nope. That's fun. It's so no. interesting to me. No, no, no. It's so interesting to me that you love statistics on a qualitative 
like fan engagement level, but like never really took it academically. How did you start this? Did you, did you, would you choose to take a math class? I had to take a math class in high school. Yeah, you statistics. had to take a math class. Well, I guess I didn't, I didn't have to take statistics in high school, but I just chose to because that's what all my friends were taking. Nerd. Yo, I did good in AP statistics in high school. You did well in AP statistics. I Ooh. said I did good in AP statistics, not AP English. Yeah, true. Although I did well in that also. <laughs> <laughs> we're just tuning our own horns here. Uh, uh, how's that class going? It sounds a lot easier than the one that I had to take in Florence. Yeah, you were like, yeah, I'll give you all my problem sets. And like, here's what you like need to expect or whatever. And I walked in after the first day and was like, we don't have a midterm. We don't have a final. And we have like four quizzes and no homework. I hate you. Meanwhile, I'm doing like homework until like the middle of the night while I'm spending my semester abroad in Florence. I'm like doing it before I have to go to the fucking airport. Oh my God. Uh, in my data journalism class, we were looking at a data set of every MLB players. We uh, did the same thing. Oh, really? In your data journalism class? Yep. Who's your professor? Meredith? Meredith. Yeah. Are, do you have her? <laughs> yeah, I have her. Oh, She's dope. She's so cool. Yeah. On the first day of class, someone said that they were from Houston. And immediately, like, she was being so, like, jovial and just laughing with everyone. And immediately, she was just, like, so empathetic and was like, is your family okay? And I was like, damn, that really just touched my heart there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we looked through that the uh, table of salaries and whatnot, and then she showed us how to do a pivot table and it literally changed my world. Oh my God. It's, I, I got more out of that, that class than like I'm getting out of stats class right now. That was like actually useful. Like how do you dissect and look at data? Yeah. And basically I've, I don't really use Excel. I usually just use Google sheets because like I use Google for everything. And I like to keep everything in the same spot, but Excel is so far superior. Yo, since that class, I've almost exclusively used Excel. Yeah. I'm like, what? This is just awesome. Now we're just stumping for Excel. Yo, uh, anyone who, like, this is their first podcast listening to has, like, by far tuned out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So now we can talk about the real stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So it's been a little slow, um, but we are now solidifying our playoff positions. Yeah, it's been a little slow. Like we have uh, pointed out every week. It's been a a slow. Why don't we uh, just check all the boxes? It's cold in the studio. It's been slow in September. Uh, Anything else? Uh, I think we usually mention that we're sad for one reason or another. It's such as life. But you know what makes us really happy? The Cardinals getting knocked out of the playoffs. Oh, the Cardinals getting booted. (laughs) So originally the plan was just go down the roster and just laugh at every single player individually. But, you know, time constraints and the fact that that's just sort of personal and a little too mean even for us. We'll, We'll do that down the road. Let's devote like an episode to it. If you want to call in and be part of that, feel free. Yeah. But yeah, so... The Cardinals are officially eliminated from the playoffs, and the best fans in baseball will now have nothing to root for when we get to October. Sad. So sad. <laughs> Feel for them on I, a deep level. Oh, my God. It was like you come into the year, and you're looking at the standings, and you're looking at the rosters, and you're like, and people were writing, and people were talking about it and saying, you know what? Finally, this might be the year that the Cardinals actually have to choose to do something other than compete, right? Because yeah. most of the year, it's like... Chop, cut, rebuild. Yeah, exactly. And now it was going to be like, they have a bunch of no-name guys, their pitching staff... But, okay, is to it, be is... fair, they've always had no-name guys, though. Well, I know. David Freeze. Yeah. Anyway, continue. All, well, all of their guys, right? And yeah. that's that's just the thing, right? And of course, this year, like every other year, like we should have expected, their no-name guys were like their most productive players. Tommy Pham, who is he? I don't know, but he's like the ninth best player in baseball this year. Yeah, he killed the Mets this year. Yeah, he killed everyone. 
Yeah, I don't. It's not. I knew Tommy Fan was going to be good because MLB The Show 15. He's nice in that game. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there it is. Yeah, We're checking all the that boxes. Was your, yeah. yeah, fair. Uh, no, but a big, huge f you to the Cardinals and their fans. Can't stand them. <laughs> my best friend from high school is a huge Cardinals fan. I think my favorite thing that I've told you about that uh, Deadspin does is that like they just write a normal game recap whenever the Cardinals lose a game. <laughs> Don't do it for any other team, but when the Cardinals lose, they make sure to take note of it, and I have a deep admiration for that. I really appreciate that you uh, like took down my walls against Deadspin, because it's really opened my eyes to a lot of hilarious things. It's amazing. Like Freshman year, I was like, yeah, I'm just not really interested. Like I, I get it. like They're funny, but I just I don't know. But ever since you've just sent me articles <laughs> from them just all the time, I'm like, I have, no, I have literally no choice. Yeah. You were, like, you were like, I'm not really interested, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to force it down your throat then. <laughs> And even if you didn't force it down my throat, the Twitter algorithm did. Like it's like Alex Baisley liked this, yeah. and Alex Baisley liked this from Deadspin, and this from Gawker. Sad, yeah. and this from Deadspin also. So well, I mean, since Grantland disappeared, R.I.P. Yo, I feel like wait, moment of silence. All right, moment of silence. Sad. All right. Ever since they disappeared, I think that Deadspin has been my go-to for sports commentary. That's like a little abnormal say that's not just like straightforward game coverage yeah. uh, the ringer does it in a little bit different way than grandland used to yeah i know but uh I, I sort of get what you're saying the cardinals fan the greatest fans in baseball twitter account if you're not familiar with it go look it up i don't know exactly what their handle is but if you search that it, it should be like one of the first few things to come up it's just essentially um all the examples of the cardinals fans just being awful people and terrible fans oh it's just like it's an it's a Twitter account composed more or less entirely of retweets of just retweets from Cardinals Twitter. And you know, I have again a deep profound respect for the person who runs that account and sifts through all these tweets. I don't know how they do it, but major props to that because yeah. that uh that takes some balls. If they're not getting money, they should be getting paid somehow. <laughs> <laughs> they should just go work for Deadspin. Maybe we can hook up that. Let's hook that up. Yeah. Let's talk to some people. Let's hook them up. And then we'd be like, also, Deadspin, since, since we found them for you, we also you found us. You should bring us on because we know you want more baseball coverage. Yeah. All right. So, Cardinals, bye. Maybe next year. Hopefully not. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that we need to get to uh, in our not that rapid fire intro of banter is apparently Brad Osmus, the manager for the Tigers, has said that Austin Romine, who is like, a spot catcher is he their everyday catcher or he doesn't catch every day for them but no but he's like he doesn't just play catcher i think he's primarily catcher but like is just generally utility has played other positions i think you might know him for being in the middle of that whole yankees brawl thing that happened earlier in the year anyway that's that's probably the most likely place that you're <laughs> to know him from but anyway brad osmus said that he would be used at all nine positions in one game before the end of the season. Yeah, because la- last day of the season, this Sunday. Yeah, because why not? I can't even argue with that, man. <laughs> you know what? If I was the manager of the Tigers in 2017, I would probably be doing the same thing. What do you think Austin Romine thinks about this? I'm cu- Well, I'm curious who came up with the idea. You think Brad Osmus, like picked him out of a... Like- <laughs> Brad Austin is like, he wakes up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. He's like, I must use Austin at he all like, nine positions. He like went into the uh, clubhouse after a game one day. All the players gathered around him and he just like closed his eyes and spun in a circle and his finger landed <laughs> on Austin Romine. He's like, you're doing it. Imagine if it landed on Miguel Cabrera and Miguel Cabrera's like, nope, nah, I ain't putting up with that shit. Yeah. That's kind of fun. 
Which leads me to think, if you had to pick one player to do this for your squad and like actually in a game you had to win, who do you think you would pick? I got one on the top of my head. So you want like... Like it's it's World Series Game 7 and they've just implemented a new rule where one of your players has to play every position in the field for this game. Otherwise you're disqualified and you lose. What player MLB wide would you choose to do it for you? Uh, well, you said you have a guy, so who would you choose? I think I would go with Degrom. Yeah, I was thinking I might choose a pitcher. Yeah, who because used to, you want who used to play a position. If you have to put them in, you don't want them to give up like six runs in an inning because then you pretty much knocked yourself out of a game. Yeah. So I mean, Degrom used to be a college shortstop, very much talked about. Um, it's the reason that he can hit pretty well, and uh, he obviously is one of the best pitchers in the league. And he's just a genuinely athletic guy. Like he steal. We talked about this earlier in the season. He steals bases from time to time, and I feel like he could play almost every position. And if not, at least he could play shortstop, and at least he can pitch, which are the two hardest positions to play. So I feel like he's a pretty good choice. I would probably go a pitcher too. Yeah. Um, my- I was trying to think of really freak athletic pitchers. Like uh, Strasburg came to mind. Yeah. But I don't know if he can play the field. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I don't know how many of these. I mean, I I'm sure we could figure it out pretty easily, but like. <laughs> I'm curious who would be athletic enough to do it. Kenley Jansen used to play catcher, which obviously isn't like... Can you imagine DeGrom <laughs> behind the plate? <laughs> I might... I mean, you want a, an athletic guy, but here's the thing is like to technically qualify for playing the position, you only need to record an out there. So you don't even need to keep him there for the whole inning. Yeah. So realistically, you could have a guy start the game and play and pitch the first six innings and then just move him around out to out. For the next three innings. And then, yeah, and then maybe he's out. You know, you can get him out by the eighth inning, maybe. So I might do a guy like Sean Doolittle, who used to play first base and, yeah. and right field um, and might be able to swing the bat. My mind also went to Madison Bumgarner. Ugh. Uh, I don't want him on my team. I, Except if, he if would... I'm trying to win game seven of the World Series, Fair. I probably do. <laughs> well, in that case, I'd probably start him at, like, first bounce him around and then just bring him in in like the third inning to pitch and then just he would pitch till the end of the game no matter how many innings it went yeah so you're playing for like a tie essentially and then he pitches like innings three through 14 it's like it's like little league you like were playing um in the field for like the first three innings and then they take you out and like after you're at bat you like go to the outfield to warm up to pitch yeah Uh, sorry sorry about your routine who do you think would be the worst person at this because I think Albert Pujols has to be the worst. Can you imagine Albert Pujols pitching, <laughs> playing shortstop? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's probably a less than light-footed position player, <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly. I, I probably I love Cologne, but he's probably pretty low at the bottom. Of, I, although you know what, I want to see him playing short. Yeah, he moves well. Yeah, ish. Yeah, for a man of his size and stature. not waste any more time on this because we have much more serious business to get to and that is marijuana and Wiz Khalifa yeah so the other day Wiz Khalifa the pirates brought in Wiz Khalifa noted rapper musician from Pittsburgh and marijuana enthusiast and I Pittsburgh think I think it's fair to say and, yeah. and Pittsburgh stand yes but I feel like he, he has a song called black and yellow he does have a song called black and yellow that's about Pittsburgh okay 
He loves Pittsburgh. Does he? Wait. But I would say if there's one thing he loves more than Pittsburgh, you could argue, you could make the case, it's probably... Cars that have pushed to start? Oh, nice. Yeah, there we go. Um, he. The point is, he, he likes his weed. Yeah. He, he likes his weed. He likes to roll one up. As... <laughs> He has a song called Roll Up. Yeah. I mean, he has an album called Rolling Papers. <laughs> <laughs> he likes weed. Oh, he's working on Rolling Papers, too. So What? In case you weren't sure. This is news to me. Oh, yeah. We're a music podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> music and academics. Anyway, Wiz Khalifa. The... <laughs> I love Wiz Khalifa so much. Anyway, Wiz Khalifa, the other day, Pirates brought him in to throw the first pitch. Now, one would think that if you are aware of Wiz Khalifa, you're also aware of his enthusiasm for smoking weed. Apparently, We clearly are. I mean, it's not like we did investigative reporting on Wiz Khalifa. He makes it pretty obvious. Apparently, the MLB was not aware of this. So after Wiz, Wiz Khalifa showed up throughout the first pitch, he was wearing a shirt that said, legalize it. The it... I am going to take a wild guess. He was referring to weed with that. And after the first pitch, he made the uh, universal sign of smoking weed by bringing his thumb and pointer finger to a tip, put it to his mouth as if he was uh, taking a little drag. And um, and yeah. And, and obviously, you know, crowd loves it. MLB very much does not. Came out with a statement afterwards that said, marijuana... Is this a typo? Marijuana is <laughs> is probated substance. No, it's not a probated substance. It's just probated substance. In all of our drug programs. Probated? Is that a word? I, <laughs> I've only heard of prohibited. Many questions. but um, they Were they high when they typed this? They said, it's unfortunate this situation occurred. The pirates have informed us this should not have happened. And I want to ask, I just want to ask, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? <laughs> Were you expecting him to come out wearing a dare to keep kids off drugs shirt and be like, I am for safety and family and making right Yo, you decisions. You can be for weed and all of those things, just for the record. I'm, I totally agree. But I feel like Wiz Khalifa is not exactly known for that. <laughs> Again. He seems pretty reckless in his marijuana usage. Uh, yeah. So it is a bit of a follow-up to what we were talking about last week because this Yahoo Sports article clears up that minor leaguers are not allowed to smoke weed. They will get suspended for it. But major leaguers can do it all they want. Which also makes this all the more confusing that it's not prohibited by MLB but the fact that someone was just straight repping it when they went out to throw the first pitch, that is what crossed the line. No, okay, so like what you said, what did you think was going to happen, number one, when you asked Wiz Khalifa to come out for you? And you, as the Pirates organization, you saw him wearing a shirt that says legalize it, and then as the MLB, you don't have a policy that says you can't smoke weed, so... I'm I'm guess I'm not sure like what he did that went against the MLB values. Well, and clearly like I'm going to assume or maybe not, but I would think that there is like some line of communication where the MLB if they would like to know would have some sort of idea of who's like throwing out these first pitches, you know? Like I mean, I'm sure that every team does not clear every person 
who's going to throw out the first pitch at their game. But you have to think that like someone associated with with the MLB at large organization knew that Wiz Khalifa was going to go and throw out the first pitch. Why would you not have the conversation beforehand and be like, so we have to talk about the elephant in the room with this guy? <laughs> it also just feels very weird to like upstage the pirates and like come out to a newspaper and be like, this was clearly not okay. Like, Wait, what? so they came out to the, the Pittsburgh newspaper? Yeah, yeah. They gave a statement um, to that statement that I read was to the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. That's really strange. Yeah. I, it feels like you're just kind of doing it to cover your ass, but like, from what? I don't... But like, how many people are out there being like, "What an awful influence this Wiz Khalifa guy. He was totally fine before, but now that he brought it into the ballpark, <laughs> golly no." Yeah. Meanwhile, Tim Lincecum was smoking weed before every start. Yeah, and we were cool with it because it's cool. <laughs> anyway, don't do drugs. Yeah, don't do drugs. But that was uh, that was funny. Um. Can you rank Wiz Khalifa's albums for me? Can I... you name more than one? Nope. Does he have one? Yeah, he has to have more I... than one. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, are we distinguishing between albums and mixtapes? Because they're two very different things. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's for our next podcast. Our music podcast. So, uh, that's fun. But um, when we come back, maybe some uh, some more serious analysis... <laughs> <laughs> and and looking into the stuff that's actually going on around Major League Baseball. You mean us talking about our classes and Wiz Khalifa and weed was not serious analysis? Um, I think it was. Yo, at ESPN, come hire us. <laughs> we got except no- don't listen to the episode from two times ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say we got no politics except for most of the time. back so it's friday we're feeling loose had a had a good week coming to an end you know who's not feeling so loose right now is mets manager terry collins who is coming to the end of his contract with the mets he's been there since 2011 he is actually their longest tenured manager which was really surprising to me that's really surprising yeah he has um managed the most games i don't think he's won the most games but i think he's managed the most games with them and really he's become somewhat of a divisive figure among like younger um more statistically inclined Mets fans just because he does some things that are really questionable like not play Michael Conforto and also he he's been the face of a lot of their um just really like front office turmoil because he's been the one at the podium for a lot of it but you know to be fair he managed them through a really terrible terrible rebuilding phase and um and not to mention took them to a world series yeah and that's what i was going to say is that he did i think very well with that team and um i think he had a, a really big balancing act to pull off between the big egos and personalities of the the pitchers on that team really it was just the pitchers because it was managing the young arms and keeping them under a certain amount of innings and specifically with Matt Harvey in 2015 but so there was a report uh, in Newsday, um, shout out to Mark Kerrig, the Mets beat reporter for Newsday.com, that said that s- several sources in the Mets organization told Newsday that Fred Wilpon saved 
Terry Collins is the, the owner of the yeah, Mets. Yeah, Fred Wilpon, the owner of the Mets, who has been much maligned in the press and in the Mets fandom, uh, saved Terry Collins from being fired several times over the course of the last few years. Um, and there was just there was a huge reaction to this on Twitter and just about how there's always kind of been this perception that Fred Wilpon is interfering with just day-to-day operations of the Mets organization and that he shouldn't be and that a lot of what goes wrong in the front office Everyone's kind of just like, well, it must be Wilpon interfering, right? Well, well, I want to say in this article, he does say, quote, I don't interfere. Yes. So I feel like that pretty much clears up any questions we had. That's kind of it, boys. We should wrap up and go home. <laughs> what? Wait, he said he doesn't interfere. So <laughs> anytime you say, quote, I don't interfere, and that's all you say, it pretty much sounds like you interfere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to ask you, and then you just say that curt statement. Uh, you're not really off the hook at that point. So, I don't know. I just figured we need to talk about this because I'm a Mets fan, and I was kind of – I rode hard for Terry Collins in the 2015 season. Um, he's done a lot of things to upset me before and since then, but I don't want this to end messy. Like, this feels like it should just be a natural separation, and though a lot of people felt that Terry Collins would retire after the season, but he's said on the record – you know, to SNY or like after the game, uh, he doesn't have any plans to retire. And even if that means he's not coming back with the Mets major league team, he would consider a minor league job or he would consider going to another team. He said he wants to manage till he's 70 and he's, I believe he's 68 right now. So yeah, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, what are your thoughts on TC Wilpon interfering and then you know, more specifically like with this breakup? I mean, it's, it's a very strange situation and I know that Mets Twitter and and you and I have talked about a little bit just like being very frustrated with him, with Collins at times and the decisions that he makes. And it's even mentioned in the article, right, that the front office would get very frustrated with like some of the tactical blunders that he would make, which I think rightfully so, because I think at this point in his career, he's not the best manager in terms of. He doesn't strike me as always being in touch with the way that the game has evolved, um, especially like statistically and, you know, simple stuff in terms of like how you craft a lineup. It feels very old fashioned. So I I understand that. Specifically with that, just the frustration with having Conforto be low in the lineup for a lot of the year and not hitting him second or third. Um, and having Jose Reyes, a guy like Jose Reyes or Drupal Cabrera at the top of the lineup, it's one thing to have those guys on your team. I mean, Jose Reyes, let's throw that out the door, but a guy like Drupal Cabrera, it's one thing to have him on your team. It's another thing to have him hitting second for your team. Anyway, just wanted to throw that in there. So it's, I, I sympathize with that and I understand it. At the same time, it's, it does, this is the point where it gets to be a little sad and kind of hard to watch because this man's, career i mean his livelihood is essentially being dissected and questioned and played out in the media and in the tabloids and on twitter and uh, you know i mean these guys get paid pretty well so you you take that with kind of a grain of salt but it, it i think that it can be hard right to have all these stories being leaked about how uh, Terry Collins is the the Mets are probably not going to bring him back after this year, and then you have this story come out about how they really wanted to get rid of him a few times, and and the owner was not letting him. And I I do imagine that this takes some sort of emotional toll on these people, as it's like 
Um, your boss wanted to fire you a few times, but thanks. yeah, the quote was the quote from one official was Terry has no allies in the front office. Yeah, which that's is that's pretty harsh language. Which is really harsh. I I I feel bad for him because by all accounts he seems like a really nice and down to earth guy. He's sometimes a little out there in the way he does things or the way he talks about things. But for all accounts, Terry Collins seems like a really <laughs> nice man. Yeah. Okay. So a couple thoughts on that. It wasn't Terry Collins that tore Noah Syndergaard's lat. It wasn't Terry Collins who sent Matt Harvey out to the club till 3 a.m. It wasn't him who gave Matt Harvey thoracic outlet syndrome. It wasn't him who disintegrated David Wright's back. It wasn't any of those things that he did. So I, I can sympathize with some of the smaller stuff, but I just think Mets Twitter specifically gets too locked into that stuff at times. And I'm guilty of that just as much as anyone gets too locked into those small things that are still going on with other managers. It's like not every manager is Terry Francona or Joe Madden. And not every manager is going to just conform to the way that fan graphs wants them to conform. And we wish that they would obviously um, as two people who are regular like sabermetric readers, but there's so much more goes into a manager than that stuff. Um, and I think not a lot of people could have handled personally just the Mets turmoil and the apocalyptic attitude of their fan base and, you know, the losing of a club icon essentially in David Wright and been able to keep the locker room in check. And I mean, for the most part, I, I don't hear a ton of players coming out and bashing Terry Collins. I mean, a lot of people will say you don't hear a lot of people coming to his defense either through all of this, um, the way that they are for Dan Worthen, uh, who is the Mets pitching coach. But that being said, they made it to a World Series. Like, <laughs> I know we keep coming back to that point, but he really walked a tightrope in that season, and he did that in a way that a lot of managers couldn't. And he brought in Rafael Montero, who is the bane of my existence for spot starts here and there throughout that season. And um, he had to deal with Scott Boris down his throat the whole season, which is mayhem. So I have a ton of respect for what TC did. I, I just think now we're at like a natural fork in the road in a way. And to bring him back would be just to signify that the old guard is still in charge. And I don't think that's what the Mets want or need or should have, especially since they traded away a lot of the old guard players and so i don't see why they can't refresh the front office as well i think it's very hard when these guys are tried in like the court of public opinion right where like every fan who's watched a game thinks that he knows he or she knows how the team should be run right fire tc now um sell the team which yeah they should but like (laughs) but like you know it's like if they didn't sell the team then they're not selling the team now i know um, but it but it looks like at this point, I, I do think that what the Mets, sh- I mean, we can have a much longer discussion about the Mets future, right? But they're at this, like you said, they're at this kind of um, fork in the road where they kind of have to choose what to do. And keeping him around kind of feels like they're sticking to their guns with this whole strategy. And it's worked to a certain degree, but I think the failures of the 2017 season um, just requires some sort of reset. And obviously, a lot of that was injuries and just a, an awful awful run of bad luck but i don't know i think i think they could use 
perhaps a younger face in the dugout, you know, and That's someone... ageism. You're ageist. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> and and someone who maybe can relate to the players a little bit more, right? I think uh, that Newsday article mentioned that there were some players who would get upset that they would find out about their playing time from the media and not from their manager, which can be really frustrating. And I think it's important to keep in mind that we are learning about all of this like third hand, third and fourth yeah. hand, right? It's essentially this game of telephone where we don't really know how the players feel and we're probably never going to know how they feel unless one of them writes a book about it in 40 years, which (laughs) one of them probably will. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cespedes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I I agree with you. I think I I feel bad for the guy because he's been... I love TC. Uh, Let me just say that. I love him. Yeah, 100%. And you got to feel bad with how, to a certain extent, how the media has maybe treated him or how the fan base treats him at times um, as just kind of like fire TC, right? That's like gut reaction if you lose a game. They treat him as like a dotty old manager who like doesn't really, yeah, who like spots in and spots out. And, and that's not what he is. No, it's not what he is. I get the sentiment as well that it's, you get frustrated when the owner, to, to bring it back to like this Newsday story, when the owner is like coming in and making these decisions because that's realistically not what he should be doing right and and not what you want to see especially when the front office who runs the baseball team and is making the decisions that affect the future of the on-field product when they're being overridden and i know the mets are not the first fan base to face something like this um, but it's hard it's it's really difficult all right uh at the risk of going on and on in quasi defensive Terry. <laughs> uh, let's just move on a little bit. But before we do, two things that I want to say. Number one, congratulations on your squad extending Bob Melvin. I mean, I like him. Seems like a good guy. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He also has been super duper patient through this. Yeah, incredibly patient. And you made it work too. I mean, yeah. in years where they were not supposed to even sniff the playoffs, they snuck in three straight years. Yeah. So and they respect. look and they look good. They look primed to be hopefully Bob Melvin could be the guy to pull him out. Yeah, like I said, they're still my pick for next year. <laughs> as uh, if as if any other team would be my <laughs> pick for next year. Uh and my second point is I'm hundred percent in on bring back Curtis Granderson to make him a player manager. Yeah, uh, you know what I was gonna say? How about David? I never even considered that. I mean, I know that he still wants to play. My, I mean, my dad sent me this article that was like looking at potential um, managerial candidates for the Mets from here on out, and the last name on that list was David Wright. Damn. That would be full circle. It, it really would be full circle. That's interesting. We should talk about that on a, on a later episode. We'll get into that yeah, more. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, all right. When we come back, we're going to get even more down oh, the serious weird. rabbit hole. We're, we're not sticking to sports. No. No hashtag. way. Don't stick to sports. All right, so we have to talk about this. There's the old transition. All right. All right. Okay. So I. This is we were going to talk about this 
unfortunately, this happened like hours after we recorded last week's <laughs> podcast, like it always does, right? Yeah. We should just start. We're not newsbreakers. We should just change when we do the podcast. We should start recording on like Wednesdays. We do. Like we change <laughs> it week to week. Like sometimes it's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday right now. Yeah. We've done it on Thursdays. Like oh, something's going to happen tonight that just like blows everything out of the water and like makes this episode irrelevant. Uh, so last Saturday, like Bobby said, we're recording this on a Friday. Um, last week, Bruce Maxwell, who is the like backup catcher essentially for the Oakland A's or part-time catcher for the A's, took a knee during the national anthem, and this was a amid a weekend of Donald Trump basically calling for those sons of bitches in the NFL to be fired for kneeling during the national anthem. You know, this whole massive uproar and um, this whole essentially the last week and a half has the largest political conversation has been around this. I mean, it is all over the place. But finally, um, it bled into baseball after a year of it being a conversation in the NFL and of NBA players and WNBA players speaking out. Shout and, out to them. Yeah, shout out yeah, to them. Yeah, they don't get talked about a lot enough at all, but they've been the most Probably uh, league-wide, they've been the most radical league, the WNBA. So, oh, oh they have. They've had entire. They've had entire teams going out and taking knees and wearing shirts saying, say, I, stand "I can't breathe," and "I can't breathe," yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, but finally, it reached the most conservative sport in baseball. So we, I mean, we have to talk about this, but it feels like it was probably inevitable. I think that it especially after this weekend where our president Trump basically made it about himself, right? And was like... As he does. As he does. He inserted himself into the conversation and called for the people who were taking a knee to be fired. And, you know, you, you saw people across the spectrum, both in sports and outside, to be like, that's absolutely unacceptable. And we stand or kneel <laughs> with the athletes on this one. It's a lot of confusing imagery with this. Yeah. But... It was uh, it was very interesting the way that Maxwell went about it because he basically he took the knee um, during the game. He had his hat over his heart. He faced the flag. Immediate minutes after taking the knee, the A's came out with a statement in support of him, basically saying, "You know, we completely respect every player's decision to do what they think is right and support their." Uh, right to speech and that sort of thing. And, and so Maxwell's really been in the conversation just kind of over the last week. But uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think about it? I mean, without getting into the right and wrong of the process itself, because I'm f in full-throated support of it. Yeah. I, um, think, I think it, it goes without saying yeah. that, like... We support the knee. <laughs> the kneel. Not, not like we wear our politics on our sleeve or anything <laughs> like that. Without delving too much... We're, a, we're actually recording this while on one knee right now. We just <laughs> wanted everyone to know that. Uh, without going too much into that and hopefully avoiding talking about Trump himself too much, I think I take a little bit of issue with the way that it's been framed on liberal Twitter, I guess you could call it, is that uh, a lot of people have been almost trying to justify his protest by saying... And there's been great reporting about Bruce Maxwell himself, and I'm not trying to call any of that out. I just mean, like, there's been a lot of talk about how he comes from a military family, and he's doing it respectfully, and he's covering his heart with his hat, and he's facing the flag, and he's not trying to mean any disrespect, and he's been very upright about this. And I just, 
I take sort of issue with the justification of protest and the respectability of it all. Just because one subset of people perceives the fact that he's from a military family to make him more respectable than if he wasn't from a military family, that that doesn't add up to me. So while I agree that he's doing it in a very respectful, honest way, I don't think it's just because he's from a military family and I don't think it's just because he's showing deference to the flag in a way that some people sitting, like some people like Michael Bennett, for example, are not like hand over heart, looking at the flag, welling up, that kind of thing. It doesn't make one better than the other, in my view. And just sort of like that that conversation around respectability of protest has sort of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. That being said, I fully support all forms of this protest until it gets to the point where it's sort of been co-opted by these rich billionaire owners in the NFL. That feels like a whole different conversation. But I think another thing that we need to be conscious of is that we continue to talk and report about the thing that the protest is even about in the first place. And that is police brutality. It's protesting police brutality. It's protesting the um, uneven killing of black and brown people in this country. And I feel like we're, we're like sort of entering into the echo chamber of this conversation. And like Alex said, we're a week late to it. So this point has already been made several times, but just to reiterate it and um, because you asked me how I feel and because this is our show, I can say what I want. We got to stop calling this an anthem protest and we got to stop calling this a flag protest because I, I mean, I've been guilty of slipping into that language as well, but that's not what this is. And I think the media just makes it a lot more, um, a lot more black and white than it needs to be. Um, and that has a dual meaning and I sort of mean it that way. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's not what this is about. They're not protesting the anthem. They're not turning their back to it and they're not coming out and saying, I hate this song. Like, that's not what this is. Even though you could make a very honest argument against the song itself, that's an entirely different conversation as well. The song is racist. Look up the third verse of it if you don't believe that. Yeah. So that that's my thoughts on Bruce Maxwell. That he's been sort of framed in this like respectable light. And I'm not saying that he's not respectable because of course he is. Um, I'm just saying like there needs to be, the media needs to better report on the solidarity between the different subsets of this protest. I think it's very interesting to look at how he did go about it. Because like you were saying, there is not one thing that makes any one protest like better than the other. But it is interesting the way that he did it because he does come from that military background. Um, and he does have a uh, black father and a white mother. And so he is really, I think, towing the line for a lot of these issues because a lot of people who are against the flag protest or, or what, as they perceive to be the flag protest, are like, well, you don't respect the military. And it's like, well, let's re-examine this one right here, right? Because that's not what it's about. But I think that he was really careful about how he did it, understanding the environment that he's in, right? Understanding the climate of politics in baseball, where it does bleed into the NFL sometimes, and it feels like it bleeds into the NBA a lot. You don't see that happen in the MLB because as Adam Jones will point out or as uh, fans at a Boston Red Sox game will point out, it's a very white sport, right? I mean, you have in a game where there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of players, it's like there are double-digit African-American players in the sport. So to speak out against this issue feels almost taboo, right? It's a sport that is rife with tradition, 
and, you know, keep your head down and don't celebrate and, you know, obviously veers on racism a lot of that time. A lot of that is like, we don't want you to bring your culture into this or we don't want you to make this expression because this is how we have played the game for a century and it is the capital R right way to play it and the capital O only way to play it. <laughs> um, so I do think that Maxwell was cognizant of that and understand. He knew who his audience was. He, he did know who his audience was. And so I'm I'm not going to say that he was the like right person to do it, but I think that it pre- presents a really interesting um, discussion where he comes from this military background and he clearly does respect the flag, so has largely disarmed the entire argument against the protest yeah. and yet is still making it, right? And But wait, you forgot about the popularized right-wing critique of the protest that is, you're making millions of dollars to play a game. <laughs> what do you have to protest? You're yeah. succeeding in America. Well, and then that's, but then that's the other thing, right? Is that like, again, this is also not a guy who has any job security whatsoever. He is a part-time rookie catcher who has zero job security whatsoever. The A's could release him. And, like today. Like today. Yeah. And most people would not care. Um, I mean, I am looking forward to seeing him play very, you know, much more. But I, from like a fan's perspective, I would not be absolutely, releasing him would not like from ruin, a, ruin the from future a baseball of the perspective, team, right? Yeah. So it takes a lot of guts to do what he did and go out there and put himself out there in the most in what I would say is the most con- and I think you would agree is the most conservative sport so yeah you could, I, mean, I mean you could nitpick the different things about each sport that make them more conservative I would argue that perhaps hockey is the most conservative sport but it depends um, yeah, it depends on the team the, and it depends the on the city to to the White House. <laughs> um, but I, I mean it, <laughs> Pittsburgh certainly if you look at the major three it's the most conservative and just in terms of like it's politics and it's politics within the sport too, right? In yeah, terms of like how you play, it's like hard nose, but keep your head down the whole time and don't do anything to show anyone up at any time ever. <laughs> yeah. And what Bruce Maxwell did was in a way he showed people up and was like, was like, screw your unwritten rules, screw your dumbass politics. I'm going to do what I think is right. The other thing I'll say about the point that you made about how he sort of, defang the argument from the other side is that they will still find something to nitpick about this of Um, course of course but that's if you don't want to know why it's because it's not about the protest (laughs) um yeah no of course not but if you don't want these black millionaires or hundred thousandaires or whatever to do it then then are you fine with them bringing out people from the inner city who are faced with these problems every single day and letting them kneel on the field like (laughs) Because we can do that too, like if you want. It's not, it's, it's just goes to show once again, it's not about the protest itself. Um, because if yeah, it was retweet about. Retweet if you know why. <laughs> because if it was about the protest itself, then I can't think of a better person to do it than Bruce Maxwell. Yeah. So that it provides an, and it also provides an interesting question of like, and, and this is obviously not something we can analyze or should analyze even, but like, how long is he going to do it for? And are other players going to join him? Because my guess is no. I don't think anyone else is going to... I mean, there are three game, three games for most teams left in the season. I don't think he's going to get many 
supporters, um, even if people do support him, Mark Canna of the A's had his hand on his shoulder in a show of like solidarity as he took his knee on the first day. So yeah, and you can roll your eyes at, at that, whatever. Um, no, 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 I'm not rolling my eyes specifically at that. I'm rolling my eyes at the larger context of this is a show of unity, like well, the, how, right. like how the Saints yes. said that they would come out and they would kneel before the game and stand during the anthem. That's the yeah. that's like the yeah. I don't um, want to make I don't want to steal a joke straight from Twitter, but that's like the new. Um, I don't see color. Yeah, obviously. I th- I think it's interesting to look at what Maxwell said about this too, because he very specifically in an article with Jeff Passan, who got, I think, the only interview with him. Um, he's a national columnist with Yahoo Sports. Uh, One of the best. Yeah. 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 Just kind of in the game right now, right? Yeah. Uh, wrote a really long piece about Maxwell's um, background and why he chose to do this. And Maxwell very specifically says, this is beyond race, which is a little confusing. But then he goes on to... Uh, kind of clarify what he says and says, I mean, this is about our president speaking out in a vulgar, negative way about people uh, against people exercising their rights in a peaceful manner. Okay. But he does go on um, later and talks about how unacceptable it is the way that a black and brown people are treated in this country. Right. So I think that a, a part of him is kind of playing those politics because he wants to cover his ass and he knows that in this sport you really don't have a choice right you have to go out there and you have to make it the most non-controversial controversy it can be because which is a shame but yeah, yeah which is a major shame i actually real quick i was scrolling through the ace facebook page um right before we recorded this segment just i was looking for something else but i started noticing the the comments as one does, you never go down in the comments. Um, but yeah. on, on every, on like more or less every single Facebook post, does not matter what it's about. The top comment is about Bruce Maxwell and they're long ass things. But this, like this one woman says, I was so sad to see Oakland A's player not stand. If I see it again, off goes my TV. I welcome you to shut the TV off. Yep. Politics have no place here. I we're not even gonna, we're yeah. not even going to delve into that. I and I'm just I, I so this, this, wait real quick this guy just says I just just hop A's don't come political next year. He just just hops? He just just hop don't come political. <laughs> I, like I I can't even disagree with that. <laughs> I can't understand it Yo, so therefore I can't disagree with it. He says just do your job to entertain us and keep your politico views off the field. <laughs> politico. <laughs> I am down with keeping Politico <laughs> off the field. Um, yeah, just do your job. That has very... Yeah. Um, uh, just entertain us because you serve one purpose. Uh, okay. I, I also just genuinely don't understand the um, casual viewer. The casual viewer experience of the game is legitimately not interrupted at all. And so the keep your politics out of our sport thing doesn't make sense to me because it's not like they're breaking like the referee is like in football he's going to call pass interference and suddenly Michael Bennett comes over tackles him steals his headset and is like black and brown people are being killed at uh, unacceptable rates in this country like that that's not what's happening these people did not even watch the national anthem before this and I don't care who you are you didn't watch the national anthem before a baseball game before this I have genuinely I've been watching baseball my whole life and at a game that I was not at, 
I don't know how many times I've seen the national uh, the national anthem broadcast before the game and thought I'll stop to watch this. Actually, even if it's not broadcast in my home, I play it before the game comes, and you're you're sure as hell that I stand. Shut up. I'm standing in my living room. I don't understand the like uh, the tendency for like old white people who are angry about this to be like the Kool-Aid man and just burst through everyone's door and be like, but the military, how can we not respect the military at this game that has nothing to do with the military? I don't, I, I just don't get it. And especially in baseball, I don't get it because the NFL, there's obviously a very strong corollary between them and the military. There's a money trail there. If you haven't heard about it, go read about it. But with baseball, it's like you can't, you can genuinely, these people, I don't know where these feelings are coming from. Other than just they're racist. Yeah. Did you know? I mean, it, baseball was the one who invented this. Who invented standing for the national anthem <laughs> a century ago? I'm I'm serious. Like they were the baseball was the first sport to do this. The NFL has been doing this since all the way back in 2009, or uh, uh, bringing players out onto the field to yeah. stand for the national anthem. I know. 2009. I know. But baseball is the one who actually the long invented story the tradition. Yeah. Yeah. But before we go, I want to um, bring up a point that. Um, Grant Brisby, friend of the pod. Yeah, great. we should have him on. <laughs> we should we should have him on. That's yeah, true. good idea. Write that down. Grant Brisby of SB Nation um, wrote wrote a piece about kind of Bruce Maxwell and this whole this whole protest and everything that's been going on, and he brought up the point that a few years ago during Game Six of the NLDS NLCS, um, one or the other, one or the other, uh, the Dodgers were playing the Cardinals and. Scott Van Slyke. Just have to say, it had to be NLDS because the Dodgers always lose in the first round. <laughs> True. Haha, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> baseball dig. <laughs> Scott Van Slyke and Joe Kelly went on this like epic standoff, as MLB frames it, where during the National Anthem, the National Anthem is sung and all the players are standing out on the line and hand over chest and all that sort of thing. And the National Anthem ends and everyone goes back into the dugout, except for Van Slyke and Kelly who on opposite sides of the field are in a standoff to see who is going to break first. And they're standing there on the line with their hands over their chest. And it's just like a dumb game. And actually the home plate umpire of the game, I don't remember who it was, was getting very upset at them and being like, you guys, let's go. Get the fuck off the field. (laughs) But all that to say, they made an entire joke of the national anthem and there was not a peep about the disrespect of the flag. I've never even heard about this. At, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I- exactly. Right. Cause no one gives a shit. <laughs> I host a baseball podcast and I've never even heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> I've like, I, I know this because this is like the clip that plays at the end of every MLB video <laughs> to like entice you to watch more. <laughs> um, but anyway, they had this whole standoff and it lasted for like a few minutes and they're standing here with their hands over their chests, being dumb and goofy because that's how people are. And no one gave a shit that they were making an entire mockery of the notion of standing there with your hand over your chest for a song that is racist and centuries old and doesn't mean a damn thing anymore because no one cares. My favorite meme that's been going around is national anthem, two hundred years old, racist, and then like, and then like a song, a, a different song, like a different song, and all the reasons that it's good, <laughs> like all star, Smash Mouth. <laughs> yeah, Brisby writes Van Slyke and Kelly use the national anthem to send a message. That message was this: Teehee.
<laughs> they weren't thinking about the sacrifices their fellow Americans made to keep them free. At that moment, the anthem was just a vehicle to break the tension, get a few giggles, and give their teammates an incrementally better chance of winning, and no one minded. And I think that's a pretty damn good point to show that it's not really it's not really about respecting the anthem. Yeah, that feels like a pretty good place to end this. Yeah. Teehee, man. Uh, so we were going to have a little bit of talk about the World Series and playoff odds, but we ran out of time, so we'll bring that one to you uh, next week. Well, we also, uh, you mentioned last week that we were going to have our very first guest this week. Um, unfortunately, that's been postponed until next week, but you will find out who that is next week, <laughs> and it is fun. And look, I'm not saying that it's Tim Tebow, but I am not not saying that it's Tim Tebow. So I'm just going to leave you with that. It's not Tim Tebow. <laughs> it's not not Tim Tebow. Yeah, it's not Tim Tebow. Yeah. It's not him. Um, yes, so thanks for sticking with us through our um, hashtag not sticking to sports. Yeah, through our politics. Ooh, we hit you with them. Oh, yes. I hope no one is offended. Yeah, and we shoved it down your throat. And if you were going to hit pause, we made sure that you didn't. Because you're not allowed to turn it off or look away. You literally have to listen to us. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, so thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, enjoy the end of the regular season, and we will check back with you right when the playoffs are starting up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. All right, bye, y'all. All right, see you next time. Scott Vike, <laughs> Scott's like, and nope. oh my god, I'm just like. <laughs>